0: Welcome back. And on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, we are doing the Diamondbacks free agency primer. We're discussing Mike Hazen's offseason plan, Diamondbacks free agency rumors and moves they've already made. So it's going to be a jam-packed pod as always. It's going to be a fun and entertaining pod as always. So let's jump right into it.
1: You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Miller Thomas of Locked On still here. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos. And my graphic design. Almost forgot what I was gonna say for a second. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making lockdown Backs your first listen every day. I would not be able to do I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. I'm trying to figure out how to turn off the light on my keyboard. I really don't know how. We're not even going to worry about it. So, like I said on today's pod, we're doing our Dimebacks Free Agency Primer. I've been promising promising you guys on the pod that we're going to discuss the Dimebacks Free Agency. There's just been... So much going on post-lockout, the, you know, during this offseason with the trades we've seen with the Yankees and then the Braves fiasco with Olson and Freddie Freeman. Like, there's just been a lot of discussion, a lot of rumors, a lot of signings going on. So I haven't really had a chance to discuss the Diamondbacks free agency. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to discuss Mike Hazen's plan based off a thread I saw by Zach Buchanan of The Athletic on Twitter. So we're going to be discussing that. Before, but But let me calm down a little bit. Let me slow down. Before we get to the Diamondbacks' free agency plan, I first want to talk about Zach Gallen. because if you guys didn't, if you guys didn't hear, Zach Gallen's opening day status is all of a sudden in doubt. Apparently, Zach Gallen was dealing with some right shoulder discomfort when he came into camp. Gallon originally felt the discomfort during the lockout when he was unable to consult with team's physicians and underwent an MRI on his own. He was diagnosed with bursitis and is still dealing with some of the effects of that issue. And this the the news of Zach Gallon and his injured shoulder and the fact that he might not be there for opening day or the opening series because I don't know who's starting opening day, but the fact that it might be the second straight year without Zach Gallen on opening day, is really disheartening to d fans. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys we endured a lot last season to think this season starting off the same way as last year with our second best or arguably our best player out. That's not a lot of fun. And part of the reason he's out is on the MLB owners and Ken Kendrick and this lockout fiasco because one of the major drawbacks of the lockout is players not being able to get medical attention from their team. That's what happened with Zach Allen. He was not able to consult with the Dimebacks doctors, the physicians, the people that work with Zach Allen on a daily basis. Gallon was not allowed contact with those people. He had to do it himself, which is crazy and insane to think about. Like, the players are the product, and now we're seeing guys like Tatis and Gallon come back to their teams with injuries, and the teams. Didn't even really know. I don't even think like the, the Padres really knew that Tatis was hurt. So now you get these star players come back to their teams, come back to going back to their teams, I guess. And they're not healthy and they're not ready to start the season. Tatis is going to be out like the first three months of the year. Like it's absolutely dumb. Baseball still hasn't figured out that their product is the players without the talent on the field no one wants to watch your sport, and I don't think baseball has really realized that. They haven't realized the players are the asset. They still think it's nostalgia or some bullshit like that. So for baseball, they need to understand the players are the product. It's one of the reasons they have had trouble marketing them. It's one of the reasons that there, there's just so many issues between the MLB PA and the MLB. Like I just don't think... Major League Baseball has a great respect for their players or their product just yet. And seeing these players, these star players like Tatis and Gallon, come back to their teams post-lockout with injuries, uh, it's not a good look for the sport of baseball at all. So this is something, I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll see more work stoppages in the future, but you got to figure out a way to still keep your players healthy during that work stoppage because you don't want these situations where you have Gallen and Tatis coming back to their teams and now they're not even able to start the season. But enough lockout and discussions and injury talk, even though it's really sad that Zach Allen might not start the season with the D-backs. Let's talk about the rest of the offseason. And this is going to be based off a thread I saw by Zach Buchanan of The Athletic on Twitter because he, of course, is at spring training and he talked to Mike Hazen. So let's get into his thread because he starts it off with talking about the focus, what Mike Hazen's focus is during this free agency period. And the focus right now is on the bullpen. Hazen sees the free agent market as the most likely route for that. He wants guys capable of pitching the seventh or eighth inning, which would leave middle relief roles available for prospects, getting a taste of the majors. That is what Buchanan said. And we've already seen Mike Hazen make one move, to help the bullpen. And that is an old friend, hashtag old friend alert, Ian Kennedy, the man who was fourth in Cy Young voting in 2011 for the D-backs. It's been a very long time since this since this man has suited up in Arizona. This man in 2011 led the National League in wins, like I said, fourth in Cy Young voting. And he's coming back, I believe just a one-year deal, $4.75 million, plus $2.35 million in incentives. So I guess the incentives can drive it up. But overall, the base salary is less than five million billion. I think that's a pretty good deal for Ian Kennedy. That's not breaking any banks. He has been a closer, basically, uh, with the Royals. And I think he was traded last season as well. So in 2019, 2021, basically, he's been a full-time closer. And it's really worked out for him. A 27% strikeout rate during that time. A sub 3.5 ERA. Like, Ian Kennedy has looked better as a closer than I thought he was going to be. And part of the reason is because he really struggled as a starter after leaving the D-backs. Like, that 2011 season was by far the peak of Ian Kennedy. And it might have been the outlier year because if you look at his starting pitching years after 2011, uh, it's a lot of mediocre starting pitching. But as soon as the Royals were like, hey, uh, we're paying you a fat deal. Let's try to move you to the bullpen and see what we could do with you. That was a very smart decision by the Royals. I think the Royals, even though they're haven't been very good recently. I think they're kind of a smart organization. They kind of make the right move. So I think moving Ian Kennedy to the back in the bullpen was a smart move. And now you look at him, he's had this resurgence. He's a little bit older, 37 years old. I should have checked the stat cast because if I'm... Um, uh, even though he's a strikeout artist, I'm guessing Ian Kennedy doesn't throw too hard. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he still got 95 mile an hour heater. I wish I checked the stat cast before doing this podcast, but at least he's a strikeout artist. At least he still averages, you know, 27% strikeout rate around double-digit strikeouts per nine. The D-backs don't have a lot of arms that can put a put away batter. So Ian Kennedy will be, you know, a nice change of pace in terms of striking out guys. 174 average of 500 OPS allowed runners in scoring position last season. 514 OPS allowed in high leverage moments last season. And if you look at his overall numbers, the hard contact numbers, they really improved from 2021 or they really improved in 2021 from the previous two years. So Ian Kennedy is, I don't know if he's getting better, but he's at least not getting worse as he's entering the late stages of his career as he's nearing the age of 40. It doesn't seem like Ian Kennedy is getting any worse. So I really like this move by the D-backs. All the numbers suggest... Ian Kennedy's great in high leverage moments. He was really good as a as a closer, not just in terms of saves, but actually shutting down the opponent, not putting base runners on the paths, not allowing earned runs. Ian Kennedy was pretty strong at doing that and we know the D-backs bullpen was Super weak last season, arguably the worst in baseball. I think it was the worst in baseball in terms of my opinion. But now, look at a couple of the offseason signings by Mike Hazen. We got Mark Melanson, Mark the Shark from the Padres to be the closer. Maybe Ian Kennedy as a setup man. And now you just got to... I'm sure Mike Hazen still wants another arm or two. But now you can start seeing the pieces of the bullpen come together. Maybe a JB Braskakis or something like that breaks out. Maybe Caleb Smith continues to really show his splits were real, and he's actually a good reliever. He's just not a good starter. So this bullpen is starting to give me hope that maybe it's not as bad as it used to be like last season or the year before. So I like the Ian Candy move a lot, and I'm very curious to see how Mike Hazen fills out the rest of this roster. And if you want to know how Mike Hazen is going to do that, we still got more to talk about with Mike Hazen's offseason plan. But before we do that, I first want to tell you about Rock Auto because this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need, your often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do it first for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Com. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete Tim Tebow, encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Thanks for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Lockdown MLB Prospects host, Lindsey Crosby. is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss the rest of Mike Hazen's offseason plan. Now, the main focus is the bullpen, but there is a second priority for Mike Hazen this offseason, which would be a bat or two, maybe at third base. Hazen says he wants a uh, Hazen says he wants to see what the internal options can do at third, like a Van Meter, or Rojas, or Drew Ellis but he wouldn't rule out in addition. If they do add, that person would likely be a right-handed bat. So I definitely could see the D-backs adding a third baseman this offseason. I don't think that would be a surprise. I really wanted Kyle Seager. I feel like he would have been very Escobar-esque if we got Kyle Seager, but of course he's retired this offseason. I I just don't want to see Josh Van Meter. That's the last thing. I'm sure he's a great guy, but I just don't think he's a very good Major League Baseball player. I'm sorry, Josh. One day I will hit you up to bring you on the pod, but I'm just not a huge fan of your game. Drew Ellis, he could be interesting. He's young. He seems like he could have some power as well, but I think Josh Rojas is going to be the guy that eventually gets the first look, at least, at third base. I think he could be the everyday starting starting third baseman for the D-backs next season, so we'll see. I think he'll probably get the first crack at it, but in terms of the D-backs, adding another bat, just Overall, looking at MLB Trade Rumors.com, not just MLB trade rumors, the D backs are apparently interested in Michael Conforto of the Mets. I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, I like Conforto. Uh, he's coming off a disappointing season where he batted 232, 729 OPS, only 14 home runs in 125 games. But I kind of like that because he's a depreciating asset with a pretty high ceiling, so I think that could make his contract cheaper than, you know, some other players out there in free agency with a similar ceiling. So, so if we could get Conforto for the right price tag, I would like it. He's someone that's coming off a poor season that I still think has a lot in the tank. He's not even thirty years old yet, and if you look at the three previous seasons that are not COVID-shortened, so not the 2020 season. If you look at the previous three years before 2020, it was basically an 850 OPS every year with 28 bombs a season. So I think Conforto is still pretty good. And I just think he's coming off a down season. And maybe he can have a bounce-back season in the d D-backs uniform. The hard contact numbers, the strikeout numbers, and the walk numbers are still all right aligned with what he's done in his career. So I think Conforto is the perfect low risk, or maybe medium risk, but high reward candidate for the D-backs if that price tag is right. And then speaking of Rojas, Buchanan asked Hazen if he'd bounce around the diamond like he did in 2021. Hazen didn't answer directly, but did say forcing defensive flexibility penalized us a bit last year and that more guys will find one home. So like I said before, I think Rojas will get the first crack to be the everyday starting third baseman. But I think this comment is actually directed at Ketel Marte because we've seen reports recently. And we kind of knew at the end of last season that Ketel Marte will be going back to second base full time. Which I think is the right thing. Like, of course, Ketel Marte is versatile. He's athletic. He can probably play every position on the diamond. But I think the smartest and safest position for Ketel Marte to play, and the most natural probably for him, is second base. I just don't think he had the—I the. the I just don't think he had good feel out there in center field. Like, he could make the plays, but I don't think the defensive stats liked Keton Marte in center field, and he just seemed kind of reckless out there. He seemed to just throw his body around and run into walls, and I always felt like he was going to be an injury liability whenever I watched him in center. I just thought he was too reckless out there. So considering Ketel Marte is a legit MVP candidate when he's healthy, I do not want to put this guy in harm's way at all, and I think center field could definitely do that. Of course, there's still plays at second base that could get Keton Marte hurt, but I think there's just less risk at second than there is in center field, so hopefully moving Keton Marte back to second base full-time can help out his health. And then what about trades? Zach Buchanan asks. Hazen did say they've gotten calls on areas of veteran depth, like in the rotation and in the outfield, and Zach Buchanan speculates maybe David Peralta could be moved. I think that would make a lot of sense because his age, he's like mid-30s, might want to play for a contender. And he's got a pretty cheap contract. I think he's making like less than $8 million a year heading into next season. So he's still a guy that's super clutch if you look at his clutch numbers and Excuse me. Hope you guys didn't hear that. And numbers with runners in scoring position. David Peralta is still a pretty good guy. He's still, I, I think his hard contact numbers are still pretty solid, even though he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. Still think he hits the ball pretty hard. So I think David Peralta could be an interesting guy for a contender. I just don't think we're getting a lot for David Peralta. I wouldn't expect a Matt Olsen level package for David Peralta. And then speaking of trades. One name that has been floated out there in trades, and it's not really on the D-backs end, but on the New York Mets end, we've already talked about Conforto, but they're apparently interested in Luke Weaver. I think I saw that circulating around Twitter. I mean, I wouldn't mind moving Luke Weaver. I just feel like the return for him wouldn't be very good. Um, I at least want to see one more season from him. I want to know if he can actually get back to what we saw in 2019. And if it's just more of the same, whether that's unproductiveness or whether that's you know lack of health, like then I'll be ready to move on in 2023. But I think I want to give Luke Weaver one more chance because this was the headliner in the Paul Goldschmidt package, and I'm not ready to just consider that a sunk cost just yet. Yes, we got Carson Kelly from it, but it was supposed to be a major two for one deal, and so far it's it's more like a one and a one in a one and a half. I don't know. That was a very bad joke. So just don't mind me there. But I need Luke Weaver to step up in 2022 and get back to those 2019 levels. Otherwise, I wouldn't be too upset trading him. Um, Former Braves host Dylan Short, he did suggest to me on Twitter, maybe Dominic Smith or J.D. Davis for Luke Weaver from the New York Mets. I think Smith is interesting, 27 years old showed some power potential in the past, struggled a bit in 2021. But I think J.D. Davis is really the guy that interests me because he's like the same age as Dominic Smith, give or take a year or two. I think he's a little bit more of a stable player, 800 OP, over 800 OPS in 2021 and 2019. And I just think he's overall a good player, can get you 25 home runs. It just seems like a really solid outfielder, I don't think he's a superstar, but I think he's probably just as good as like a Michael Conforto maybe, maybe worse, maybe better. They're, all their outfielders are kind of pretty similar. Conforto is probably the best if I had to if I had to pick one. So I wouldn't mind either of those twos for Luke Weaver, but I want to wait at least one more season. And if I did decide to move on from Luke Weaver, I would rather have J.D. Davis as my preference over Dominic Smith. But the last thing from this big Zach Buchanan thread is... Mike Hazen stresses, we are not rebuilding. He wants to give his many young players chances to prove themselves. Yes, he wants to compete in 2022. Now, he doesn't know about the payroll and how much he's going to spend um, this offseason, but Derek Hall has talked about how they have the money to spend. And it's not like they're gonna be spending, you know, 25 million on one player or anything like that, but you know, they might spend 15 million total on a couple players. So I'm very excited to see what the D backs can do this offseason. I think I think the D backs are gonna try to attack this offseason like they're not rebuilding. I'm not saying they're going out there making moves like they're on the cusp of winning the World Series, but I think they will make moves to just clean up the margins and just be good enough and be competitive to maybe make a wild card run. And with the expanded postseason, you never know anymore. So I think this is going to be an interesting back season and hopefully Zach Allen can come back sooner rather than later. One man who doesn't seem to have an offseason plan is New York Yankees general manager Brian Cashman. So why did he trade former prize prospect Gary Sanchez to the Minnesota Twins? Sully Baseball and I discuss next. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. All
1: right, so the Mariners improved themselves. Twins made a strange move the other day uh, with the Yankees. Uh, a couple of the things were going on. It looks like the Brewers are signing Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, who, Sully,
0: I know you've talked about the Yankees trade, but can I just ask you who you think won it? You don't even have to explain it. Just tell me who you think won the trade.
1: I don't understand what the Yankees are doing. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's all I, that's I don't what understand I what they're doing. They could, I mean, they, Gio Shulla is not, okay. is is a good third baseman who isn't going to cost them the money that Josh Donaldson will cost them. He's more versatile than Josh Donaldson. Kiner Falefa is a nice defensive shortstop. He's not Carlos Correa. No. I thought I thought I would have put – I would have gone to a, a bet online and bet all my money that the Yankees were going to sign Corey Steger. I thought he was the perfect fit for the Yankees. Playoff pedigree, swing that would be perfect in Yankee Stadium, solid shortstop. And he went to Texas. Um, I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, with Correa or Story, either one of them is still available. Yeah, I know they've got this stud in the minor leagues. He's still in the minor leagues. And, Odin, by the way, lest we forget, Joe, you know, tying this back in, the Padres are willing to trade Eric Hosmer and Will Myers for a flat can of Sprite at this point, mm-hmm. just to get them yeah. off their books. Remember, when the Royals traded Will Myers to Tampa, they were considered by many. I didn't. You can go back and listen to the old episode that I recorded of Sully Baseball Daily. I thought it was a smart move because they got major league pitchers back from. But there are so many people saying, what are the Royals doing? They're trading away Will Myers, who's going to be the franchise, the face of the team, maybe the greatest royal of all time, someone who makes George Brett look like a absolute washed-up minor leaguer. This is the greatest figure in Kansas City history, not just baseball history, but in their history. And they've traded him away for James Shields and Wade Davis. Well, James Shields gave them a major league star that they needed. Wade Davis was on the mound when they clinched the World Series title. And Will Myers, who's had a couple of decent seasons, to be fair, but is not the great savior that he was being touted at. And so now we're hearing, what is this Volpe, who is this yeah, great Volpe. prospect for the legendary. Yankees, legendary? That this is going to be, he's going to be Honus Wagner, Ozzie Smith, Luis Aparicio, Cal Ripken, A. Rod, Nomar, and Jeter, all wrapped up in one. And he's good. That's it. There's all these John the Baptist yelling, "Prepare ye the way of Volpe," Very and have Carlos Correa, who who you just have to hand him money, and he's your shortstop, and you know, I, I don't understand, you know, if Volpe is that great, then you can later deal Correa, you know, but I, I don't understand why or story for that matter. You know, it just it makes no sense to me. And then, I, you know, for more, listen to the previous two episodes. There.
0: Yeah. Um, if if Volpe is that great, they should go get Mike Trout right now then and then just yeah. trade Volpe for him. Do something. Trade the dude. for Superstar. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I
1: remember um, Jesus Montero. Oh was, yes, there was he. They were talking about him. The the, the 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 descriptions. He was the next Miguel Cabrera, and he was not included in the deal that would have brought Cliff Lee to the Yankees in t- 2010. And that you know that cost them the pennant as Cliff Lee beat him as a member of of Texas as they went. You know, Texas won the pennant over the Yankees that year, and Cliff Lee was the rental. Um, they would not rent Cliff Leave because it meant, you know, getting rid of the legendary Jesus Montero.
0: Yeah, who had a great who, rookie season, and that was it. That was yeah, his whole career. Bye. Basically. You know, so so
1: you know the Yankees. You know, you know, yes, prospects can come and be great, and you know, and but you have Volpe's not ready now, and the Yankees' window of, of winning is now, and. OK, if you don't want to pay Correa, or, fine, I don't quite understand that. You're the Yankees. But Trevor's story, again, mm-hmm. that would make all the sense in the world. And I, I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. Zero.
0: Yeah, there's, the shortstop market this year and next season are going to be stacked. So if the Yankees come away with nobody other than, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but they couldn't. Kyner Yeah, Connor for left-left. That's all they who they end up with. It's going to be a very disappointing outcome for the Yankees. I don't think any team has their prospects more overhyped than the Yankees because you can look at Jesus Montero, like you mentioned. Clint Frazier was supposed to be the next big thing, and that dude flamed out as well. So Greg Bird, remember when he was a thing too? Like all these young Yankee players, they all flame out pretty quickly. But from the Twins' perspective, like I don't like trading star players, but if they're over the age of 35 – and you get back to young, kind of young players like a Gary Sanchez and Ursula. I like that because I'm the person that always says I would rather try to go after depreciating assets on the major league level. Either players, younger players who've had pedigree in the minor league level, but maybe have struggled a little bit on the major league level. Or maybe they showed flashes on the major league level and then have cooled off a little bit. Gary Sanchez and Gio Ursula are two players just like that. Gary Sanchez has shown all-star level flashes before he's put together all-star level campaigns and he's just become, I don't know. It it, is stock has fallen dramatically. And Gio Urshel is the same thing. Like he has been a really good player in 2021 and 2019, not an all-star, but he's a very solid player. So for the twins to get back two guys with, you know, a, a real ceiling, even though they might not be, at that ceiling right now, even though they do have that ceiling and they could get back to that, I kind of like that as a reclamation project for the Twins. You get back a, a Gary Sanchez, a catcher could be, you know, maybe a, a future All-Star once again someday. So I like the reclamation project that the Twins took on. And sorry sometimes, to, 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 you know, rail the podcast again with this. No, but sometimes
1: a change will do a player well. I mean, sometimes a change of scenery.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know, look what, Jose, when you have a player – with a tremendous amount of pressure on them, I remember Jose Contreras was supposed to be the the great Cy Young hopeful for the Yankees when they he they signed him from Cuba or in he where he expatriated from Cuba, and he didn't do particularly well with the Yankees, and they went up. He wound up being sent to the White Sox, where he was their stud when they went to the World Series, won the World Series in two thousand five. So uh, you know, sometimes a change of a change of expectations can sometimes be a positive thing. Uh, Let's go over just a couple other quick things. Uh, We're finding out that uh, Seiya Suzuki, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, Yeah, looks like the Padres Padres are making a big push on him. Again, he could turn out to be a wonderful player. He could turn out to flame out, um, but he's certainly a very talented player who the Padres are hoping to – make room for him by getting rid of Will Myers and Eric Cosmer along the way. Um, Milwaukee brought in former all, uh MVP Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. Which, you know, he's yeah, I mean all right. McCutcheon's Alex, yeah. yeah, his his best years are behind him, but he still has some pop in his bat. Yeah, and he's still he, um and take a look. The, the Diamondbacks re-signed uh, uh, Ian Kennedy. Yes,
0: yeah, so we brought him huh? back, baby. But they're saying Zach go. Allen might miss opening day with some uh, shoulder bursitis. So uh, we got some negative news to start the season as well. And the Mets
1: are kicking the tires on Luke Weaver, seeing if they can acquire yeah. him.
0: Yeah. Man, do, uh, you can you have you uh, can him. <laughs> I don't have, I don't want <laughs> Luke Weaver. really. I mean, yeah. I want him to get back to the 2019 level that we saw, but Luke Weaver had just struggled so mightily. Like I don't have a ton of confidence to become a two pitch guy. Like everyone says he's got the good stuff, but that's just, I think, uh, you know, kind of excuse for saying someone hasn't performed well. They just have good looking stuff. I don't know. So Luke Weaver is someone that I hope can get back to that 2019 level, but if we could get a good player for Luke Weaver, I think it has to be a one for one deal. I don't want your, 25th best prospect in your system or some 16-year-old from the Dominican Republic. Like, give me a one-for-one one deal where I could get another major league player that's interesting and young. Like, a Dominic Smith would be interesting from the Mets. A J.D. Davis would be interesting. But I think I would rather keep Luke Weaver for at least one more season and see what he can do. And the Suzuki guy, we saw the Padres dip their wa- uh, toes in international waters last season with Hassan Kim. Hasn't exactly worked out. Suzuki has said, I have not signed with anyone. The Chicago Cubs seem to be making a big push for the player as well. So I'm very curious to see what kind of player he actually is because you never know. Sometimes they put up big numbers, you know, overseas and they come over to America. It's like, "Eh, he's really not the guy we thought he was.
1: You know, I bet you can get uh, Eric Cosmer and Will Myers for Weaver. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I think Javi would do it for sure. I think he would trade me Eric Hosmer just just to have him, just for like a yeah. player to be named later. I don't even think he cares who the player is. Cash considerations, I think Javi Hobby, Hobby would be pretty happy with that.
1: Cash considerations is a good player. I'm very hyped by the Yankee organization's cash considerations. Well,
0: look at – hey, Millard,
1: um, by the time we hit stop record on this, chances are Carlos Carrera will sign with the Baltimore Orioles. Freddie Freeman will announce his intention to be the new quarterback of the New England Patriots. And uh, we will see that the Dodgers would have retraded Mookie Betts back to the Red Sox. I think that's all going to happen before be nice. we wake up tomorrow. But hey, uh, Millard, this is our yes. little weekly therapy session that we have together here. Yeah. Uh, thanks for doing it again with me. Uh, remind people where they can follow you.
0: Yes, at Creator Thomas Twenty Four for my personal account, or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram in the search bar, and I'm sure you can find the podcast handle.
1: And I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and check us out on those platforms at Locked MLB Pods. Well, we're going to be bringing in these episodes fast and furious, and who knows what fun things are going to happen. Uh, this has been another fun Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover with Miller Thomas and your pal Sully. This is the date is still the fourteenth day of March, twenty twenty two. I'm expected to record two more podcasts today. Uh, again, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.
0: Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's pod. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB, with my pal Sully Baseball. Walking Baseball Encyclopedia, so go check out that podcast. Of course, uh, I would say come back on Friday, but I'm not sure if there's a Friday pod. I only have to do three pods this week. I think next week we have to go back to five pods a week, so it, it might be a full five pods next week. But I might have one more pod for you guys this week. It just depends on if there's any big news specifically pertaining to the D-backs. Maybe we get the Freddie Freeman news. So I might have an emergency pod or a last minute spontaneous pod if there's any big news the rest of the week between Wednesday and Friday, I guess. But if there's no big baseball news between then, then this will probably be the last pod of the week. So if that's the case, Thank you to everyone who tuned in this week. Go check out Monday and Tuesday's pod and come back next week for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Deuces!